This is a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. Go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Put us in, coach. We're ready to play. Uh, thanks to Dinosaur Prize Surprise for a quick and easy changeover. Need to welcome M back into the country. Hello. Hello, hello. How are we? It's nice to be back. It's great to have you back. We missed you terribly. Oh. And Jimmy's here behind the buttons and dials. Yes, hello. Howdy, howdy. And uh, on the way in... We were listening to the cricket. Yes. Australia's, I think we won the toss. We elected the field. A lot of wickets have fallen. Five was the last time we heard. Uh, Annabelle Sutherland got at least three of them. But we'll give you an update later on Oh, my as goodness. Well. Um, would you like an update yeah, right now yeah, even? Yeah, yeah. Um, so South Africa are batting. And they are currently 8 for 55. Oh, my God. I think the heat's got them. It's 40 degrees over there in Perth. Oh, goodness. Yeah, who's got all the wickets? I think, yeah, Sutherland, McGrath, and um, Darcy Brown all got wickets. Ooh, okay. Yeah. It's a whitewash. It really is. It's it's interesting with test matches. So this is going to go for four, four days. Um, and it's... You know, maybe it could be similar to the men's. It could be all over by lunch on day two. We'll see. Now, when you've been away for a couple of weeks, you've probably forgotten that we like to start off with uh, an acknowledgement of country. We do indeed. <laughs> I would never. I would never forget. Um, well, before we get started, mainly, on today's show, the Sporting Record would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land from which we broadcast this program and on which much of our local sport is played. We'd like to pay our respects to Elders past and present and acknowledge that sovereignty has never been ceded. We'd also like to celebrate the incredible contribution of First Nations athletes to this country's sporting life. Well said. Thanks, Jimmy. Now, before we get started again, it's (laughs) Subscriber Drive. It sure is. And in line with Subscriber Drive, we're going to be asking you, our listeners, to subscribe and support the radio station. 3CR needs our listeners to be subscribers to ensure the survival of the station. We're a not-for-profit community radio license holder, and a strong subscriber base is vital to our financial independence. So to subscribe, drop into the station and subscribe in person, or you can give us a ring on 03 9419 I'll say that again, 9419 our office is open Monday to Friday, 9am to 5pm, or you can pay online by heading to our website, www.3cr.org.au slash subscribe, and you can even set up a recurring subscription while you're there. And the rates are pretty uh, reasonable. I think they're pretty cheap, actually. Waged people, $80 if you're on a, if you're on a wage for the whole year. Uh, unwaged or concession or pension is only half that, $40. 
That's me. <laughs> Saving That's money. We'll have to do oh, it. Yeah. We'll have to, uh, and obviously we want people to resubscribe if they're already subscribers, and we'll do that when we finish here, Jim. Yes, we will. <laughs> yeah, I should do that too. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so to get started, I've got a story for you all. Okay, oh, go for it. Okay, Jimmy. This is hearkening back to the World Cup that happened here in Australia, the Women's World Cup. Yeah, which, which sport? Which soccer? Soccer. Great. And Football Australia will release its World Cup legacy report this week, which includes the results of an audit of 1,900 facilities and 4,350 fields across the country. So basically doing a big report on the state of sport, particularly women and girls sports in the country, how the facilities are and all that. Um, And the report claims that $2.9 billion in infrastructure spending is required to bring the country's grassroots facilities up to an acceptable level. And this is as there's a surge in interest after the World Cup. Female participation will grow by about one third, according to early registration data. And so the results say that only two in five clubs' change rooms are female-friendly. Two in five are female-friendly, with enough toilet cubicles and separate spaces for men and women, and only one in four have accessible restrooms. Just over half of the nation's fields are characterised as having a good playing surface, while two and three have substandard drainage. And then more than two-thirds of fields have lights, but barely a quarter have the illumination level of 100 lux, recommended for playing matches. So $2.9 billion is needed to get things up to scratch for women and girls in sport. Goodness. That's a pretty bleak picture that's being, being painted there. It's, you know, the majority of all of the facilities required are severely lacking. Yeah. I mean, I've, I don't know. It's good to have these f- official reports and everything, but it's another thing for actually anything to be done about it. I feel like there's been plenty of you know, recommendations and reports and all types of, like, depending on which sport it is across the years. And they keep, you know, I did an interview for a hack um, or Triple J story about this a couple of years ago. And, you know, it's like nothing. It's great to have that and be, like, aware of it, but I would hope that something actually comes of it, you know. I feel like they're constantly being like, well, this needs to happen, but where's that? where's that money going to come from? Well, the federal government is pitching in $200 million with the Play Our Way Women's Sport Facilities Program. That was announced during last, uh, last year's World Cup. So $200 million compared to $2.9 mm. That's a big shortfall. Massive. Massive. How interesting. I mean, I don't know. I have your days of um, playing junior sport and that, like... My, I mean, comparatively, like I know that there was never enough equipment or changing rooms. Or even now, when we go to play footy games, and there's there's plenty of facilities for the guys, but um, yeah, and then sometimes the fields are really horrible, and they have to get po- matches get postponed because it's a bit of a mud bath instead of what it needs to be. But yeah, did you find the facilities not? I know it wasn't soccer, but. When you were growing up playing playing your sport? Women's change rooms were non-existent. Mm. It was all about the boys. Often it was a one-size-fits-all, so there was only one change rooms at all. Mm. But that was also because there were no women's sport or girls' sport at all in the clubs that I played for. Mm. It was just non-existent. 
there were girls who played with us and then would have to stop at under-14s. Mm. And it's a big investment needed. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's good that they're investing some money in it, but like you said, it's $200 million compared to the almost $3 billion required. Is, that's a big gap. <laughs> A lot of these ovals, like suburban ovals, uh, belong to the local councils. So the local councils are chipping away at it too to to improve those facilities as demand requires. Mm. Maybe it's a bit of a you know chicken and the egg thing though. It's like if you don't have the proper mm. facilities, mm. it's not really encouraging people. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned accessibility, like accessible toilets. Like if you're not having the facilities that are welcoming to people who aren't you know, able-bodied men, then it's, you know, then not many people want to be in that environment. So therefore it's, there's no reason to invest in the, you know, in the facilities. So like, it's good to have this to see that there is purpose oh, yeah. for the funding. But, but the cl- all the all the little local clubs, they want to grow. They want more mm. members. They want more teams. Uh, if the facilities, and the big growth is in the, uh, in the, girls teams if we're talking juniors mm. and uh if facilities aren't good enough the girls will go and play in the next suburb along so the, the incentive is there mm. to have the best club the best facilities and attract attract all the new people in yeah which is good yeah yeah so it's happening it's just, uh, slowly it's very slowly we've just got to keep pushing along and this sort of a report is uh excellent momentum for that mm. i also um i think it'll be really fascinating to look back five, 10, 20 years and just see how significant 2023 was for the, for a bit of a a shift in the way that people view women's sports and whether it is as significant as we are feeling currently. You know, it felt big at the time. It continues, the momentum continues to be significant, but it will be fascinating to see how it fits in contextually with everything else going on, I guess. Yeah. I feel like the Matildas are well and truly overshadowing the Socceroos. Absolutely. Yep. They're our national darlings now. They really are. They really are. And I feel a few weeks ago, we talked about at the tennis and being patriotic and shouting. Oh, yeah. 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 And I feel like the only kind of time that I'm feeling super comfortable to do that now is probably just the Matildas. Want to see them do well. Yeah. It sucks about Sam Kerr doing her ACL before the Paris Olympics. Devastating. That's a heartbreaking thing for our nation. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I reckon they play better without Sam Kerr, don't you reckon? They're more avenues to goal and uh, players lift. Less reliant. Yeah, that's 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 just my hunch. That's it's, controversial, John. That yeah. is controversial. Yeah, just a hunch. I can be proved wrong, but, you know, uh, I'm a well, big fan of, of uh, Ford and, and Fowler. I just I think love they're wonderful. Fowler. I really I love to get a, one of her jerseys in time for the Olympics. <laughs> I think that would be great. Yeah, I love her. She, she seems, yeah, awesome player, really good. Um, and I don't know, I think maybe I mentioned it at the time, but just along the line of jerseys, it's been really nice um, seeing, like, young boys wearing, like, Sam Kerr's oh, jersey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah like, yeah. just wandering around Barclay Square, and I saw, yeah, just a little boy who was wearing... There's just a Sam Kerr jersey, and that was like, I don't know, not to be yeah, too you. emotional, but it was quite yeah. nice to see that, like, yeah. that's the first time that these types of things are happening, and it's really, it's lovely. It brings a tear to the eye. <laughs> what have you got there, Em? Well, I've got 
um, it's a story from uh, hack from a couple weeks ago, but um, this was a new report and now new rules coming to social sport um, and amateur sport regarding concussion. And we've talked about concussion a little bit over the past couple of years on the sporting record, particularly in relation to AFL and past players developing things like CTE. Um, and then also in the NFL as well, um, where lawsuits were being settled for the concussions and the result of concussions of players over the past couple of years. Um, but now there's been... Um, looking into more amateur levels of sport and social social levels of sport and to recognise the fact that 95% of concussions are not occurring at the elite level. So we hear a lot about concussions in the AFL and contact sports, rugby league, etc. But, you know, the majority of those are not happening at that level. They're happening at um, amateur levels when people, you know, like where there's less safety, I suppose, potentially in the way that people are going about tackling. Maybe there's less conditioning of the body. Like we now know that it's really helpful if you have do lots of um, strengthening your neck. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that level of conditioning sometimes isn't as accessible at an amateur or social level. Um, can I say? Yeah. This is going to sound a bit uh, condescending, but sure. players are often more clumsy at an at a amateur level. And I'll give an example. Mm. When I was coaching uh, um, in the... Um, the uh, Recklink. Recklink. You got it. Thank you, James. <laughs> nice one, uh, Jimmy. You know, and the players there were very enthusiastic. And one week, the umpires didn't turn up and I had to umpire. So I was umpiring the game. And I'll never forget this. Two guys <laughs> were very enthusiastically went for the ball and their heads just went whack. It was like two... I could hear this. I could still oh. hear the sound. It was like two coconuts being oh, whacked together. God. And anyway, they were a bit dazed for a while and uh, but they kept playing but I'm just thinking it was just they were so enthusiastic but so clumsy and that, mm. that thing was just you know, it's got to be bad. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, that's I, um, I grew up playing field hockey and I always maintained like the m- amount that I would get injured the most was when I was playing against people who were beginners mm. because they the technique just wasn't there and you know they'd lift they raise the stick up yeah. really high when you don't need to all that type of stuff a lot of extra injuries were occurring with people who were new to the sport and similarly with you know maybe people who are new to tackling in contact sports the technique isn't as as there so mm-hmm. it's yeah i think i feel like clumsy is probably a uh a nice word to just... So that 95% stat, you're right. Yeah. 95% is a lot. It's a lot. And that's it's kind of like, you know, it feels like a bit of an ice, iceberg metaphor of the tip is all of these concussions talked about at elite levels and we can see what happens to past players. But now knowing that 95% of that is, you know, on a level that's not being, um, I guess, spoken about because it's not, you know, it's not famous celebrities and sports people, I suppose. Um, So it's good that there are these new guidelines. Um, They include recommendations for athletes to wait three weeks before resuming sport after concussion. There's a prioritization of a concussed person's return to work or school above a return to sport. 
and an appointment of a concussion officer in school and community settings. Um, so there are a couple of the, the guidelines. Um, they're made in conjunction with doctors, physiotherapists, rather, Sports Medicine Australia and the Australian Institute of Sport. Um, yeah, basically it's just an acknowledgement of the, the harm that they can do and we need to have better guidelines to manage that for people that aren't playing elite sport. They don't have access to, you know, trainers and doctors mm, yeah. and, you know, for that level of care, I suppose. So it's really good that people have a better idea of what to do. Um, I remember, yeah, growing up playing sport and sometimes you get head knocks. I got, you get a little card of like, for the next 12 hours, don't do this. But then off you go. Oh, <laughs> All you the best. You got a card, did you? Gee. Yeah, we, we got a little like, you know, don't fall asleep or make sure you've got oh, someone yeah, with you yeah, and all that yeah. that kind of stuff. But um, this is good that it has, you know, more of a, I guess, a concrete, you know, way to return to, to work because acknowledging that it, it can affect, it, it's not just sport that it affects, like concussion and a head injury like that affects every part oh, of your yeah. life. Um. Yeah, so it's okay. good. Thanks, Sam. So there you go. That's that report. Keep an eye out if you do play the social sport. Might be useful. So we'll continue with the uh, theme of health and safety in sport after the break because I want to talk about the proposed enhanced games. Oh, all right. I'm curious. Are you a 3CR subscriber? We really need our listeners to subscribe to the station. It helps us remain financially independent and is an important part of our community governance. It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation and $300 solidarity. Become a 3CR subscriber today. 3CR Radical Radio. I'm Tash Sultana, and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. You might have heard about the Community Radio Plus app, but it's only when you start using it that you'll wonder how you lived without it. You can listen to us wherever you are. At home, work, driving... On public transport, gardening, protesting, or even in the bath. Just search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. So I wanted to see what you two had to th- uh, had to thought about this little news item that came up in the last week or two. Uh, Australian swimmer, retired swimmer, James Magnuson, mm-hmm. uh, spoke up and said that he'd be prepared to take part in this... Uh, in this proposed enhanced games, it's a uh, where people can anyone can participate, uh, and the idea is that they can take whatever performance enhancing drugs they want, in in an attempt to uh, uh, break world records and um, and you know and not be banned because there's there's just all this. So I thought I'll dig into it a little bit. The whole thing's been proposed by an Australian guy, an Australian businessman who's based in London. 
I think he's pretty well off. His name's Dr. Aaron D'Souza. He's a venture capitalist. Is that what he is? Yeah. Is that how he made his money? Yeah. He's got a PhD in something. He's a doctor. Uh, he was a rugby player at Oxford, so he's got a bit of a sports background and an author. And anyway, he's proposed this. It's sort of anything goes, you know, um, uh, including shoe technology and... Oh, uh, and for, for marathons, because they always yeah, talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Performance-enhancing drugs... Uh, whatever, you know, so, uh, and they're talking about swimming, uh, athletics, uh, body uh, strength, body, oh, yeah, strength sports, gymnastics, all that sort of stuff. So, for those who do compete, the enhanced games would be an annual event with five categories, John, yeah, track and field, swimming, weightlifting, gymnastics, and martial arts. Oh, goodness, okay. <laughs> Well, so it was proposed for late this year, but I think it's getting pushed back into uh, 2025, and it would probably take place on a U.S. Uh, university campus somewhere when, when one puts their hand up for it. Um, yeah, so that's sort of part of it. So it's not necessarily going to happen. Um, they're saying that, you know, it's an investment in the future of science, and that uh, they'll make it as safe as they possibly can with all sorts of medical backup and everything. And it's to see if really, um, if they can push the, the boundaries as far as they can and if it's safe and, you know. It's about unleashing the full potential of humanity, I believe, he said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I find that this is, it's fascinating. I hadn't heard of, hadn't heard of this. I mean, I guess it makes sense, like, Especially if some businessman was like, oh, here's, a, here's an opportunity. So Magnuson's retired. Like He's the first one to put his hand up and say, yeah, I'll do it. So he's 32 years age. Uh, he's been retired for eight years. So he's got, well, apart from his health, he's got nothing to lose in terms of his sporting career because it's over. Uh, he doesn't care if he gets banned or anything like that. He, what a quote from him was, I want to do my research and have the right team behind me. With the help of Aaron, I'd also like to document it through video and show how it can be done safely and properly and create an athlete we haven't seen before. Well, we have. We still saw Ben Johnson, who created a world record 100 metres. He beat the great Carl Lewis when he was at his best. So, yeah, I suppose. Hmm. I'd watch it. This As is, you know, yeah, I like you racing. Like, you, like the ra you like a race. I feel like... Um I would be interested, like it sounds like, you know, just this hard and fast and absolute wild kind of situation. I would be interested to know, um, I don't know, you could have some interesting discussions on what constitutes doping anyway and what mm. um, is an advantage and what isn't. But also I guess there's a part of it is like what would be ethical in terms of, you know, pushing bodies to the limit and like whether it's ethical to have – However, you know, just a completely unregulated amount of drugs or whatever in your system. And it's not just anabolic steroids, which is the common one. It also things like cocaine. Yeah. Which is a very illicit drug. Yeah. Just that, yeah, I feel like I, I can understand the appeal, as a, especially as a business person, but um, it sounds like it could be pretty... Wild, well, <laughs> to are, say the least. There are a lot of legal challenges to get this up. Yeah. So, for example, anabolic steroids in America may be prescribed by a licensed physician for the treatment of certain conditions, 
such as testosterone deficiency, but if used in the US without a prescription from a licensed physician, a first conviction could result in a one-year prison sentence and a $1,000 fine. That's if you use steroids and you get caught without a physician's prescription. So for this to happen, there are some legal ramifications here that need to be overcome. Now, the prize money's in the millions, so the $1,000 fine's not going to be a, a much of an issue. But I guess if you're being thrown in prison, uh, that's not so good for getting back to Australia, for Magnuson. And um, when it comes to the sprinting, there's going to be a seven-figure prize pool for any athlete potentially breaking Usain Bolt's 100-metre record <laughs> of 9.58 seconds. So millions of dollars yeah. for anyone who breaks it. Yeah, there's rich guys backing this. Um, and part of their feeling is the Olympic athletes are not paid enough. And uh, D'Souza also said feels that WADA, uh, the doping agency, are um, anti-social, uh, anti-science police force, he described them. And the IOC says they're corrupt and greedy. <laughs> <laughs> So who knows? So yeah. it's just a proposal. Will it ever happen? I don't know. But it's it's a fascinating. I just interesting concept. Um, I yeah, it's absolutely. It's a. I'm very interested to follow this along. I'm just fascinated to hear certain, like definitely varying sports people's opinions, various physicians. I'm interested to know what discussions are going to come out of this and what people what people think and if it does get up and what that will look like yeah it just it seems like a new ethical kind of dilemma to to sort through i think it won't be as amazing as people think because the best athletes in the world will probably not compete because they're the best athletes in the world anyway good point they're probably making good money anyway and what have they got to lose they don't need to do that but the subpar athletes, I guess if you could call them. Or retired ones. Or retired ones. They're the ones who'd be getting involved. So yeah. I don't think there would be many records really broken. I think it's a bit overblown how much steroids can help. Mm. Ben Johnson, for example, he was already probably the best in the world. And then steroids just pushed him over the top. But you're not going to get Noah Lyles doing it. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah, it makes some um, for cycling. I again, I always say this, but then I always bring it up. Um, don't know much about cycling. It's it's you two here, but it seems as though a lot of people. Um, I get the impression that it's pretty widely partaken. You know, with Lance Armstrong, but a lot of people partake in that. So I don't know. Would well, it was. They, they'd everyone say it's pretty was clean now. I don't know. Yeah, at the time, Who it knows? seemed like pretty. Yeah, so maybe like. Maybe if it was in a, in a healthy way that they were able to do it. it yeah. I don't know. Because yeah. they were doing it anyway. And Who it's knows? also worth keeping in mind that there is a sufficient amount of doping already happening in things like the Olympics and people just don't get caught. Mm. There was one study that found or estimated that about 15 to 18% of athletes are doping at any one time. So that's a significant number and they just don't get caught because they're pretty pretty spot on with all this oh yeah it's a sophisticated process and uh you know they know how to get around it hey em uh last week we interviewed a fellow called dennis canahan <coughs> who's a musician but he loves sport he, he was doing a um a show called uh, cricket the musical mm. and for our sydney listeners 
uh, he's doing it up there uh, Monday the Monday week, I think. So uh, that's good. And we played a couple of songs. But before that, he had a musical called Rugby the Musical. Oh, cool. So I brought along a song from that, which we'll finish off with today. Great. I think you'll like it because a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, State of Origin and what the rules were. We were. We were. So that's the theme of this song. I think you'll like it. Wonderful. Uh, Do we need to do it now? I suppose we'll go into it. Yeah, we'll go into it. And just just before we finish, it's Subscriber Drive. So we'd love you to subscribe if you're a listener at home and you haven't subscribed already. So drop into the station to subscribe in person. Give us a ring on 94198377. Our office is open Monday to Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or you can pay online by heading to our website, 3cr.org.au slash subscribe. And you can even set up a recurring subscription while you're there. So without further ado, this is That's in Queensland by Dennis Carnahan. Could somebody please help me? I am still a bit confused. The definition of origin has been somewhat misconstrued. With Smith, JT and Cooper gone, Queensland can start again. So let's locate some of the origins of this year's Queensland team. Where is Port Headland? That's it, Queensland. Where is Auckland? Where is Nullanby? That's it, Queensland. Queensland's everywhere. Queenslanders say they play with more state passion and state pride. Since Joby Elkie's gerrymander, they've sure played with their state lines. With Cam Smith gone, they need a Queensland leader for their team. So let's see in which state the hometowns of their leadership has been. Where is Sydney? That's it, Queensland. Where is Dan Levark? Don't you worry about it. And where is Val Raville? That's it, Queensland. Queensland's everywhere. Keep it going. Where is Grace Dane? That's it, Queensland. 